Previously on Camp Dino, Bo and Zeta took the river chute down to their wilderness survival class. But on their way there, Zeta's tube flipped and the backpack with her dinosaur egg floated downstream. Before it could get away, Gavin, the dung bomber, swooped in and snatched the backpack out of the water. Zeta checked her egg and it seemed fine, except when she tried to bring it into Dr. Lovkin's class, he told her to leave it outside with the other dinosaurs. Bo had to take Buck outside, too. Thanks to the bully Ash, Dr. Lovkin thought Bo was insulting him and pretty soon lost his temper and took him outside, only to find Buck fighting with Ash's velociraptor. Furious, Dr. Lovkin grabbed Bo and Buck and stormed off into the jungle. And now for episode four. And then there were three. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Camp Dino. Dr. Lovekin was furiously mumbling to himself as he pulled Bo through the jungle. There's some, there's a matter of nobody good in Bo looked around in a panic. Where was this crazy caveman taking him? Was he going to feed him to a dinosaur? He imagined himself being tossed into a pit full of starving raptors. Buck would be thrown in too, of course, and would probably try to protect him, but he would only be able to fight off so many. Poor Buck growled at the end of his leash, being pulled along by Bo's free hand. Bo's other arm ached under Dr. Lovekin's tight grip. Up close, the man's stink was almost unbearable. His nasty hog was trotting up behind them, adding to the stench. Go back, cootie pie! Lovekin shouted at it. I'll be home in a bit! The fuzzy pig snorted sadly before turning back. Finally, after passing a couple of giant anthills, they came to a clearing and Bo could see the sleep trees in the shipwrecked cafeteria. They marched past them up to the front gate, where a staggered two-story yurt sat nestled in the trees nearby. Dr. Lovkin yanked him up the wooden steps and pushed him through the door. Inside, Ma and Pa jumped up from their reading chairs, startled by the sudden intrusion. I dare say... Pa exclaimed, dropping his book. What is the meaning of this, Charles? Charles Lovekin's hairy face was dripping with sweat. This boy's disrupting my class. Been mouthing off, and this dino done attack another dino and nearly kill it. Charles, compose yourself, Ma said in her proper accent. The contrast of her classiness next to Dr. Lovekin's filth was striking. In fact, the contrast of the whole yurt next to Dr. Lovkin was stunning. The inside was beautiful. 
It was two yurts, one positioned slightly higher up the tree, connected by a brass spiral staircase. There were maps on the fabric walls and ancient statues and artifacts decorating the spacious rooms. There was an old record player, a four-post bed and two leather wingback chairs next to a cherry bookcase. Bo almost felt like he needed to take his shoes off before entering. Not Dr. Lovekin. The grungy man was acting like he stormed in like this on a regular basis. His chest heaved as he struggled to catch his breath. He glared menacingly at Bo. Buck growled at him from behind Bo's legs. Bo, are you causing trouble in Dr. Lovekin's class? Pa asked, a look of concern on his face. No, I promise. It was a misunderstanding. He couldn't hear what I was saying, and Ash twisted my words to sound like I was insulting him. But I wasn't. I was just... He ain't telling the truth, Lovekin spat. Heard it with my own ears, and now we're gonna stand and lie like a little... That's enough, Charles, Pa interrupted, growing impatient. Bo, what happened with Buck here? Who did he attack? Bo sighed. He attacked Ash's Velociraptor. That part is true. But I told you I don't know how to control him. If I leave him alone for two seconds, he bites everything. Dr. Lovekin made me put Buck outside, so I had no idea what was going on. Look, I'm sorry he turned Ash's dinosaur into a chew toy, but he's a Tyrannosaurus Rex for crying out loud. I can't even control the thing when he's on the end of a leash. Now simmer down, son, Pa said. Ma, why don't you make sure the raptor's taken to Dot to get fixed up? Let her know the wounds were inflicted by a T-Rex. Ma nodded and strolled out of the yurt, giving Dr. Lovekin a sour look on her way out. Lovekin's frowning face was trembling with anger. I tell you, Pa, that boy's causing ruckus and needs to be sent home. Sent home? Bo looked between the two men. You can't send me home over this. It's not my fault. It's your guys' fault for giving me a stupid T-Rex. Think about that for a second. You gave a kid a Tyrannosaurus Rex. The only thing I've taken care of up to this point is a goat, and that thing is like a hundred years old and barely moves. <laughs> Buck looked up at him and whined. You're not welcome to my class, Pa. There again. Now, now. Pa waved for them both to settle down. Let's all just take a deep breath. Charles, are you making the students keep their dinosaurs outside again? Lovekin didn't answer. He just flared his hairy nostrils. Pa raised his hands at him. How are we to expect these students to create a bond with their beasts if we keep separating them? Again, Charles, dinosaurs are permitted in all classes. Suddenly, Zeta came bursting through the cloth door, out of breath. <sighs> you guys are really moving, she said, hands on her knees. Bo's innocent, your honor. <sighs> this isn't a courtroom, Zeta, Pa said, suppressing a smile. But your honor does have a nice ring to it. Zeta glanced between Bo and the terrifying Dr. Lovekin, as if second-guessing her decision to interject. It's not Bo's fault that Buck attacked that dumb raptor. Don't call our dinosaurs dumb, Zeta, Pa corrected. You'll find that we do far dumber things than these creatures are capable of doing. Zeta opened her backpack and pulled out her big green egg. 
Buck wagged his tail when he saw it and tried to give it a lick. Buck was just trying to protect my egg. She can't know that, Lufkin roared. She's inside with the rest of the class. Didn't see nothing. Zeta squinted at everyone. Okay, I'm not totally sure what he just said, but if he's claiming I was in class and couldn't have witnessed anything, he's right. But... Zeta dramatically flipped the egg over, making Pa gasp and hold out his hand in worry. You'll see these little scratch marks on this side of the shell are too small to come from Buck's claws. And I found marks in the dirt by my egg that showed there was some kind of a scuffle. None of that was there when we went into class. Buck might treat this thing like his own personal lollipop, but he's never tried to eat it. Bo looked down at Buck with realization. And we told him to watch after the egg, he added quietly. Bo felt a terrible sinking feeling as he looked into Buck's innocent eyes. I think we're done here, Pa said after a long silence. But that boy, I said we're done here, Charles. I suggest you check on the rest of your students while I have a word with these two. Dr. Lovekin turned to leave, but first took a long moment to give Bo a murderous stare-down. The terrifying gaze said way more than a thousand of his incoherent mumblings ever could. And with that, the man stormed out of the yurt. Dr. Lovekin is a misunderstood man, Pa said once he was gone. He may seem unconventional and at times a tad unhinged. A tad, Zeta said. Pa raised an eyebrow at her. But Lovekin is the best survivalist on the planet. No one, and I mean no one, knows more about living with nothing out in harsh elements. It took me years to find him, and when I did, it was in the most remote mountain location you can imagine. And there he was, as comfortable and healthy as a king in his castle. It took a team of the best Sherpa guides to track him down. Healthy? A king? Bo's mouth dropped open and he stared in disbelief. Are we talking about the same guy? The one who literally works out of a classroom made of porta-potties. He's not safe around kids, Zeta added. He was really rough with Bo. I'll talk to him about being physical, Pa assured him. But this camp needs the best survivalist the world has to offer. If we ever face the prospect of being truly cut off from civilization, I need everyone ready to make the most of it. Our dinosaurs need us to make the most of it. They're counting on us. Lufkin might not be as fond of our little friends as the rest of us, but he serves a purpose, an important one. So please be careful. Sit back and try to learn from him. If he gets rough again, come and tell me. There's no way we're passing his class now, Zeta said with a scoff. He hates our guts. I know grades are important to you, Zeta. I've read your file. It's clear you work hard in your classes and expect a lot of yourself. That's good, very good. But there are no pass or fail grades here. We are simply training you to take care of these dinosaurs and yourselves and hopefully give you an unforgettable experience while we're at it. Pa checked his pocket watch. Oh dear, I better finish preparing for tonight. Why don't you two hurry on over to the galley and get something to eat before the bonfire? I bet Buckaroo here would appreciate a bite or two or two hundred before we ask him to sit still. 
Bowen Zeta nodded and left the yurt. As they walked to the galley, Bo kept looking down at Buck. The innocent, searching gaze of his dinosaur made him feel guilty. He could tell Buck was trying to see how he was feeling. He looked at Zeta. Why didn't you tell me Buck was protecting your egg? Because I didn't know until after that psycho dragged you off into the jungle. I yelled at Buck, and he was just doing what we told him to do. Yep, probably makes you feel kind of scummy, huh? Bo gave her a look. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it does. He looked down at Buck, who was trotting next to him, and occasionally rubbing his scaly head against the side of his leg. (laughs) Bo remembered Pa's advice. Not to let Buck doubt how he was feeling. He let out a deep breath. I'm sorry, Buck. Taking care of you is stressing me out, and I thought you were just trying to eat that raptor back there. I didn't know you were saving the egg. Do you forgive me? Buck purred and nudged Bo with his nose. Good. Does that mean you'll stop eating everything now? Right on cue, Buck took a bite out of a wooden sign, making it split in half and topple over. That's a big fat no, Zeta said with a laugh. Something moved in the trees. Buck heard it first, his head jerking up in the direction of the sound, his tail stiff. What is it, Buck? Bo asked, stopping next to him. It's probably Tuku, Zeta said. If he gobbles up that monkey, he'll be doing everyone a favor. Go get him, Buck, she joked. Then they heard the sound, too. They froze and looked over the tall ferns. There was Boom, the camp guard, trudging through the jungle, clearly trying to keep out of sight. His stern face looked angrier than usual, and he was struggling to carry a large bag over one shoulder while helping another man limp along with his free arm. The man was groaning in pain. Bo and Zeta hid behind a big fern to watch. Bo squinted at the injured man. Is that... Kirby? Zeta finished. It was Kirby. The camp groundskeeper was wincing in pain, dragging his feet and leaning against Bo while holding a wound at his ribs. Blue liquid stained his hand and tank top. Splatters of blue liquid also stained parts of the bulging sack slung over Boom's other shoulder. Only a man of Boom's size could manage caring so much. We're almost there, Boom was telling Kirby. It burns, Kirby moaned. I can't... It is just ahead. Boom pressed the walkie-talkie strapped to his vest and spoke into it. Dot, are you there? The walkie-talkie hissed before a voice came through. I'm here. I need you to meet us at the watchtower. Bring supplies. I'm in the middle of fixing up a raptor. Can it wait? It cannot. On my way. Bo and Zeta looked at each other, stunned. Let's see where they're going, Zeta whispered. Are you nuts? I'm not following that guy. Fine, stay here. I'll be back in a minute. Gotta be kidding me. Bo groaned and followed after her. 
Carefully, they crept behind Boom as he hurried through the jungle. A couple of times, he stopped abruptly to turn around and look back in their direction. Even Buck managed to stay low and quiet, as if sensing the importance of being stealthy. He probably thought they were on a hunt or something. A few minutes later, the jungle vegetation opened up to a small circular clearing, and in the middle of it, sitting atop tall posts that rose high above the treetops, was a bamboo fort. The Watchtower. A wooden balcony wrapped around it with multiple telescopes bolted to the railing. A small woman with crazy frizzy hair and dressed in camouflage came running out of the trees to meet Boom. Zeta and Bo hung back and watched. Oh, Kirby! The woman gasped as she ran up. It's the blue, isn't it? Took it straight in the ribs. They could hear Boom tell her. The woman took the heavy sack from Boom and they stopped just under the fort's tall posts. Boom handed her a long rope hanging down from the fort and then grabbed on himself. Got it? Got it? Whack! Zoom! Boom kicked a lever in one of the posts and the rope pulled them up to the fort, stopping at the roof and allowing them to step onto the wraparound balcony. Kirby groaned in pain at the sudden jolt. Once the rope was tied off, the three of them disappeared into the fort. Well, that was intense, Zeta said after a moment of silence. Yeesh, look how tall that fort is. It's got to be taller than our sleep trees. Bo was sure that it was. Just looking at how high up it was gave him the heebie-jeebies. You think he's going to be okay? Zeta shrugged. She looked over Bo's shoulder and nodded back at an orange glow hovering above the trees behind them. It looks like the bonfire's about to start. We better go. Definitely don't want to be out here when it gets dark. Definitely, Bo said, following her and glancing around nervously. As they started to head back, he felt Buck's leash suddenly tighten. He stopped and looked back. Buck was frozen stiff, staring into the darkening jungle. Bo swallowed. He looked back at Seda, who was getting pretty far ahead, and then back at Buck. He didn't dare look into the trees. Instead, he tugged on Buck's leash. Come on, Buck. We gotta go. We're gonna be late. <sighs> Buck was now growling and lowering his head. Bo felt the hairs on his arms stand up. He tried desperately to resist looking into the trees. He didn't want to know what was out there. Another mean dinosaur? Ash and his goons? He glimpsed the jungle out of the corner of his eye and thought he saw movement. Buck, now! He tugged hard on the leash and finally Buck snapped out of it. Let's go! Bo started running back through the jungle and to his relief, Buck ran with him, his clawed feet pitter-patting behind him. Bo kept glancing anxiously over his shoulder, waiting for something to appear. But there was nothing there. Finally, he reached the galley panting. Zeta was waiting for him outside. Where were you? Nowhere, Bo said, still jittery. Buck, Buck just got distracted. They quickly ran into the galley and grabbed some leftover food that was already being picked over by Tuku and then headed over to the gathering hut. Zeta stopped just outside the glowing tent. You coming? Bo looked around, confused. <laughs> what do you mean, am I coming? 
I'm here, aren't I? Not you, you! Zeta nodded to someone next to Bo. It was Gavin. He was walking by with a spear full of fish. Are you talking to me? He said in his quiet, low voice. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Are you coming in or not? Not, Gavin said simply as he started to walk away. Suit yourself, Zeta called after him. Shh, Zeta, Bo whispered. Let the kid go. He throws dino poop at people, remember? He could be armed. Oh, stop it. Zeta cupped her hands around the sides of her mouth. They're handing out big knives to everyone tonight. But if you don't want one, cool. More for us. Gavin kept walking, shaking his head. Meh, it was worth a try, Zeta said, leading the way into the huge dome tent. Kids were already piling in with their dinosaurs. The sounds of chatter and dinosaur groans, growls, and hisses filled the room. At the center, Ma and Pa stood in front of a roaring bonfire that filled the hut with warmth and light. Bo and Zeta found a seat on one of the benches in the back. Here you go, Buck, Bo said, setting a pile of burritos on the ground next to him. <laughs> Buck chomped into the food excitedly. Good evening, Dynomites, Ma called out. Good evening, Ma and Pa, the kids shouted back. I trust you all had an eventful day. A few quick housekeeping items. Whoever keeps stealing the bats from the cavern, please stop. We'd hate for you to get bitten and leave camp with rabies. A couple of kids in the crowd exchanged a look of horror. As a reminder, students are only allowed in the Oasis on their assigned day. No skipping class to go swimming. Tomorrow's Oasis day is for the green and red trees. Friday will be blue and yellow. Understood? <clears throat> Sloppy Joe, who was sitting on one of the front benches next to the other counselors, cleared her throat loudly. Oh yes, thank you. The galley staff would like to remind you that the python porridge is meant to be eaten only by the dinosaurs. Any students who have eaten more than a few spoonfuls will be sent straight to Dot, our camp medic. It's important that you seek out Dot immediately if you've been eating it. Sloppy Joe nodded appreciatively. A few rows behind her, a large sickly-looking boy stared straight ahead with wide eyes. In the back, Gavin suddenly appeared next to Bo and Zeta. Scoot over, he said. Bo scrambled to make room, and the shaggy-haired boy sat between them. Zeta and Bo leaned back to share a shocked look. Oh, yeah, Zeta silently celebrated. Where are the knives? Gavin asked. There aren't any, Zeta said simply. You lied? Gavin gave her an annoyed look through his long bangs. You came? Zeta replied with a smile. Gavin shook his head and leaned back, crossing his arms. Now, Ma said, looking over the kids, her silver hair and glittery dress practically shining in the light of the fire behind her. Tonight I want to talk about leaving your mark. You see, before we knew that living dinosaurs still existed on Earth, we studied them by what they left behind. Fossilized teeth, jaws skeletons, and yes, even dung. Many of the kids chuckled. 
These traces left clues that helped us discover who they were and what they ate. Did they hunt in groups or alone? We also learned how long they lived and how they behaved. They serve as a record of sorts, a story left behind for us to discover. Even a single footprint can tell us so much. A print with sharp claws and three toes usually means it was a theropod or a carnivore. But if the three toes are rounded, it is likely an ornithopod or an herbivore, a plant eater. Prints that are unequal in size were usually from four-legged, long-necked sauropods. Like them, you too leave a print behind. Everyone you interact with is affected by you in some way. The imprint you leave is either positive or negative. When you pay someone a compliment or do something kind for someone, that leaves a lasting mark. When you bully, shout, or hurt others, she met Dr. Lovekin's glare, that too leaves a mark, a stain that can last years. All around this tent you will see handprints. Bo and the rest of the kids swiveled in their seats to look around the fabric walls at the thousands of handprints next to the cave paintings of mountains, dinosaurs, and jungles. Ma pointed to them. By the end of this camp, you will all have a chance to leave your print upon these walls as a symbol that you have left your mark, that you have made a difference here and in the lives of those around you, both human and dinosaur. I want you to leave here tonight thinking about that, remembering that everything you do leaves a mark. Bo stared at the countless prints on the tent walls and imagined all of the kids that had come before him. He imagined what it would be like to place his hand on the wall at the end of camp, leaving his mark. He looked down at Buck, who was starting to nod off, full of burritos and happy as a clam. He imagined putting the same dye print on the side of his belly and realized that every interaction between him and Buck made a difference. He was surprised to find that he was almost starting to get used to having the ferocious little dino next to him at all times. Maybe it wasn't so bad after all. After the bonfire, Bo, Zeta, and Gavin started heading back to their sleep trees. Countless stars sparkled above, and the cloudy Milky Way stretched across the sky. A glowing orange frog in the nearby creek struggled to catch fireflies with its tongue. Red, yellow, green, and blue lanterns lit the branches of the giant sleep trees, and treepies dotting the canopies started to glow as kids climbed up and nestled into their beds. Frustrated counselors poked their heads out of their yurts from the upper branches to scold kids who were messing around or trying to sneak into other kids' treepies to play card games. Down below, Buck was snipping at Gavin's feet, trying to figure out if he was a threat or not. Pancakes, remember? Gavin said, reminding the T-Rex of the huge plate of hotcakes he'd given him the other night. Buck didn't seem to remember. He kept growling and biting at his toes. Cool it, Buck, Bo said, pulling back on the leash. Sorry, he's really been into shoes lately. Shoes, backpacks, signs, books, plates. Zeta started counting off on her fingers. Maybe your shoes are really stinky, Bo sniffed. They're not stinky, 
Gavin said with as much irritation as his monotone voice could muster. Whoa! Zeta stopped. You guys, I, I feel something. She quickly took off her backpack, opened it up, and pulled out her egg. It trembled in her hands. Gavin and Bo huddled around it. Buck let out a happy roar and wagged his tail. The big green egg cracked. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, it's hatching. Zeta was jumping up and down with excitement. It's going to be a fat brachiosaurus, I know it. As long as it's big enough to fight Buck, that's all that matters. What? Bo looked at her. Why would you want it to do that? Because Buck needs a playmate that can throw him around a little. If it's a Brachiosaurus, I'm going to call her Brock or, or, or Bracken. Or maybe Chuck Norosaurus. The egg was splitting. A little scaly head covered in slime was emerging. Maybe it's another T-Rex, Bo said excitedly. Or a penguin, Gavin added. What? Bo and Zeta looked at him. What? Penguins hatch from eggs? A giant penguin in the middle of the jungle? Zeta checked to see if he was serious. Gavin just shrugged. The egg cracked some more, until, crack, two horns poked through. Bo's mouth fell open, and he felt tingles up and down his back. It's a triceratops! Zeta squealed. Crack, crack. They jerked back as another pair of horns poked through the shell. What the? Twins? Zeta shouted. Two triceratops heads slowly stretched out of the sticky insides of the egg, their eyes still closed, their little beaked mouths opening and closing. Pieces of shell stuck to their horns. And then, crack! Another pair of horns poked out of the egg next to them. The kids gasped. Triplets, they all said at once. Triplet triceratopses, Zeta laughed. She held up the egg as if it were the holy grail. Triplet triceratopses, she announced to the whole camp, getting her plenty of shushes and be quiets from the treepees. The three adorable horned heads bonked into each other and chirped like little puppies. Gavin looked surprised, but only barely. And Bo? Bo stared at his favorite dinosaurs with just the slightest tinge of jealousy. Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Camp Dino. 
I've got a couple of shout-outs for you. Nine-year-old Dexter and his mom, Alicia. Dexter, thank you so much for that awesome picture. I loved it. Rocketeers, if you want to send me a picture, I'd love to see your drawings of your favorite characters. Oh, man, it's so cool. I loved it. You can go ahead and email them to me at purplerocketpodcast at gmail.com or share it on our Facebook page. Whatever. I love it. I also want to give a shout out to Oliver and his dad, Brian. Thank you so, so, so much for your support and for tuning in on a regular basis. I'm also going to read a few reviews from Apple Podcasts. Again, everybody, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get to every single review, uh, so please be nice about that. Um, But I'm going to read a few here. This one's from Shadow Armor, and it says, I love it. Also, what song is playing at the end of Lily and the Bye Bye Bad Glove episode from Life? Good question, Shadow Armor. What the heck, Shadow Armor? That's like the coolest name ever. I might have to use that for a story, Shadow Armor. That song, Shadow Armor, is called The Search Within by Nicholas Jones, and it is an awesome song. I couldn't resist putting it in that episode. It's a great song. We also have a review from Ahmed saying, I love your podcast, and I listen to it when you make new episodes. Thank you so much for listening as the episodes come out. And this one's from Joel, who's four and a half, and it says, My favorite thing to listen to. I really like this podcast. It's the best. It's so cool. I really like Camp Dino so far, especially the music. I listen to each episode a lot of times because I really like the podcast. I smile and laugh a lot when I listen. Oh, Joel, that's awesome. I'm so glad you're enjoying Camp Dino. And I agree, the music is pretty cool, huh? I think it adds a nice little touch. This one's from Gwyn in Massachusetts. And it says, OMG, best podcast ever. This is the ultimate podcast I have listened to all of the episodes. The only possible boring thing about this podcast is that I can't listen to more because I already listened to it all. My favorite season is probably Space Train or Digger, Grandpa's Globe, or maybe, oh wait, um, yeah, I cannot think of a favorite. (laughs) Oh no, I forgot Camp Dino. I love this podcast. Quinn, you're awesome. (laughs) I'm glad you are having a hard time thinking of a favorite. Um, I'm pretty amazed at how many people really love Space Train. You know, when I wrote Space Train, I didn't really think that was going to be a favorite. I love writing sci-fi, but for whatever reason, I didn't think it was going to be super well-received. It was kind of out there. It's kind of crazy. Um, And to my surprise, that is a very common favorite. So uh, stay tuned. I plan on having some more Space Train coming your way. I also wanted to share this cool experience from a dad who recently reached out to me uh, and shared his family's experience. And he said that they're really strict about limiting screen time in their home, as are we. I think that's awesome. And he said that they noticed a massive increase in their child's vocabulary after listening to the episodes on a regular basis. And that seriously made my day, you guys. Hearing feedback like that is, oh, that is the best. And what's really incredible about audio stories is they have the power to do that. They have the power to increase a child's vocabulary. They can help improve literacy overall, um, kind of understand sentence structure, especially if you can read along to the episodes, Um, which, by the way, uh, shameless plug, you can get the read-alongs to the episodes uh, if you become a patron on Patreon and support the podcast that way. Um, But anyway... Audio stories in general, audiobooks, podcasts for kids, they're a great way to stimulate the imagination and to really uh, engage a kid without all the pitfalls of screen time. I know my kids get 
pretty psychotic when I give them too much screen time. And I'm sure most of us, adults included, are that way. (laughs) You get too much screen time, it scrambles our brains. So Rocketeers, this feedback's amazing. Thank you so, so much. I'm seriously humbled uh, at the feedback I'm getting. It's it's incredible to hear your experience. I love it. And I'm, I'm loving writing these, so this is great. Keep it coming, Rocketeers. Thank you so much for listening. Mom, thank you so much for editing the episode. And be sure to tune in next time. This is your host, Greg Webb.